Hey everyone, welcome back. Another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. And uh, today we've got a couple stories. Uh, it's going to be kind of a short one today because this is the Tuesday after Black Friday. And as most of you probably know, I own a video game store and we had a great weekend, but a very exhausting weekend. And I'm looking forward to enjoying some, some time off today. Um, but uh, what I wanted to do was uh, talk about a couple of the bigger stories that came out. One's really big, one's actually more personal to me. Uh, but the first one I want to talk about was the story uh, about Destiny 2. So this came out like last Friday, which unfortunately, what a day for news to be coming out. Um, and so we've been really taking a dump on Battlefront 2 lately. So if you recall, I did a couple of videos and follow-ups on that. But EA basically tried to turn Star Wars Battlefront 2 into the ultimate DLC pay-to-win money-grab trash. And so we've been harping on them. And much like other things in, in current news right now, like the... Uh, you know, almost like the sexual abuse allegations. Once someone tugs on that thread, more things start to unravel and people start looking at it closer. Well, uh, often is the same with any news story that seems to be controversial. So today we are at, like on Friday, I read about this and wanted to share it sooner. It's just, you know, podcasts on Tuesday and, and I just didn't have a chance over the weekend to, to give my two cents. So the interesting thing was uh, i don't know this was well everything battlefront 2 is coming out i remember a kind of a snooty tweet from blizzard activision blizzard saying something about how starcraft 2 is free and basically taking shots at all of the mess regarding battlefront 2 and i remember i replied to the to a, someone who shared that uh, tweet and they're replying to it and saying yeah that's really funny coming from the company that's almost as bad as ea when it comes to this stuff right and so I remember saying that. Okay, so moving on, then this story is all about Activision and Bungie in particular. So uh, Destiny 2 came out back in, uh, I'm on PC, it was later, I think it was September or something. And back in September, they were bragging about having 1.2 million players. Destiny 2 is like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Everybody's loving it. Well, the tone has shifted quite a bit, I have to say, <laughs> to say the very least. Uh, a lot of people are not happy with Destiny 2. In fact, uh, Bungie has disabled the player tracker because they claim that people were using it to shine a negative light on their product. Well, it doesn't take other people doing that to know that if you were bragging about 1.2 million players at one point, if you're down to, say, 200,000, that that's not negative in its own right. You don't need someone to like shine a light on that. Um, now, why, might you ask, are so many people negative about it? Well, mostly, in the main part, this is why I was referencing Battlefront 2 earlier, is because a, uh, a Destiny player did some research and this was like generally speaking for like the last month or so players felt like their experience was nerfed like they felt it but they didn't really have any proof right like they were just kind of like i don't know i i just did this quest 10 times i leveled up i did it 10 more times and i didn't level up like what's going on there must be a glitch or a bug or something and so uh there was a guy on reddit who did like a two-hour experience where he uh where he tested out all the experience gains and put a bunch of uh, like actually built a graph out of it, which is mental. And it, uh, let me see here. I want to bring this up. 
because I want to give credit to the guy. His name was like Energizer X was the Reddit user. And so he went through all this work and, and, and put this whole thing together and showed that basically uh, Bungie was nerfing the experience you gain. So the way Destiny works is you level up to level 20. That's what they call like a soft cap, a level 20. But after that, you keep gaining experience. And then after you would say you'd level up again, you would get like a loot box, which in their game they call something else. I'm not a Destiny guy. In fact, I really hated the first one so much that I refused to buy the second one, even if it was better. Um, and so you, you would get these loot crates. Well, what they, so what Activision, what Bungie's been doing, it's not like Activision makes this, but what Bungie's been doing is if you, let's see, I want to try to explain this the best I can because I don't even really fully understand it. Uh, let's see. Um, I want to read a little bit of this again, Kotaku's like killing it with their, uh, with their reporting on this sort of stuff. Like I, I'm totally in love with them right now with what they're doing uh so basically you would get a bunch of experience and if you basically it was discouraging you from leveling faster so at first you start to think and this is my take on it at first was well they're they want you to still like they don't want you to they want to stop people from exploiting the system so there has to be a way where because you know players like they always found the loot cave and they find stuff like that they find ways to cheat not cheat the system but they exploit the system and so you could tell that this was probably something or this is what you'd like to think was probably something in the beginning that they thought oh well we're just gonna stop people from exploiting the system right no big deal we, we don't want people to level up by nefarious means we just want them to do the events get the experience they deserve and that'd be it that's what you'd like to think like that's what i would like to think and then though you have to stop and think about a few things one you can buy loot boxes and you have XP boosts that you can get by buying Pop-Tarts and by buying Mountain Dew and by buying Doritos. So once you factor in that there's money to be made by preventing the player from progressing faster on their own, that's it's, it's too big to ignore. And this is exactly the same thing EA was doing with Battlefront 2. They wanted to make the grind so slow and, and discourage you from leveling on your own that you would come back to them and be like, well, you know, I just don't, I don't feel like grinding out for a week. I'll just buy a couple loot boxes. No big deal. Like that's, that's what they want. And that's how they sold their marketing deals to companies like, you know, to, to, to get their box, uh, their pop tarts box and to get their Doritos as they said, well, people are going to want these XP boosts because we, because people won't want to play the game at the pace that we give it to them basically. So that's that's really the whole thing. So then uh, this is like a, for a month players have been kind of saying that this is that this was a problem like that they just didn't have any proof. Um so then on Friday uh Bungie decides to come out and they've announced they 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 basically they admit it. They come right out and they said, "You know what? We had a system in place. It wasn't working." Uh, we're not happy with the results. Neither are you guys. So we're just going to, <laughs> we're just going to stop doing it. So they admitted that they were doing it on purpose. It wasn't a glitch. It wasn't a bug. It was something that they meant to do. They're arguing that it didn't have the effect that they wanted, which 
again, you could argue my original point, which was maybe they were trying to do it to keep people from exploiting. But even still, what's the worst part about someone exploiting a system when they're max level? They just get more loot crates that have random, like, uh, cosmetic items in them so again it's not like you cheating the system makes you better at the crucible it's not like cheating the system gives you access to gameplay or advantages against other players it's really just for those cosmetic items so the only loser in this scenario when uh when people level up too fast is activision and bungie when they don't get as much money and that's what this is all about. Like, that's the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. So I want to, let's see, I want to get the actual quote from them. Because it was, yeah, okay, so here's the official blog post from Bungie. Quote, we've seen community discussion around XP gain in Destiny. After reviewing our data, we agree that the system is not performing the way we'd like it to. Today, we'd like to describe what's going on under the hood and talk about what you can expect going forward when it comes to earning XP in Destiny 2. Currently, XP will scale when playing longer or fixed duration activities like Crucible, competitive multiplayer matches, and the Leviathan Raid. And XP will scale down when players' activities that can be quickly, repeatedly chained like grinding public events. We are not happy with the results, and we've heard the same from the community. Effective immediately, we are deactivating this system. As a result, players will see XP earn rates change for all activities across the board but with all values being displayed consistently in the user interface over the course of the next week we will be watching and reviewing xp game data to ensure that these changes meet our expectations as well as yours any additional updates to this system will be communicated to you via our official channels end quote so what's really interesting about that statement isn't saying that well nerfing xp is bad what it's saying is we should have just told you we were nerfing it instead of trying to hide it. And that's what's so sad about this is they why why would you hide it from the players? There's only one reason you hide it because you know there's going to be backlash. Especially now with the Battlefront 2 thing right at the forefront of everyone's minds. So it's frustrating to me when when a game company feels like they have to pull this. It feels shady. You feel off about it. And it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating that that they can't just be open and honest with their customers. Now, on the flip side, Destiny's a big game and it's a multiplayer game and it's an it's essentially an MMO. So MMOs have a very difficult cycle. You play, you have a bunch of content, you play to the end of that content, and then you have to try to find something to keep you busy until they drop more content. And players can be unreasonable sometimes. We can expect, we want new things all the time. We're like, I need, I want new things right now. Well, you can't always, like, it takes time to make these things. And it is up to Bungie to create fun events maybe every couple weeks or every month to keep players engaged. I'm not saying they aren't. But as far as big content drops and expansions and new raids, that stuff takes time. I mean, look at a game like World of Warcraft. Like when WoW first launched, the game was as it was. I think they added Dire Maul like maybe a month after it came out. They added Anixia and Molten Core maybe six months to a year after it came out. I'd have to double check that, but that's what it felt like as a player to me when I was playing the game. And, and then maybe it was even a year later because the first expansion didn't come out, I don't think, until two years after WoW came out originally. So 
it takes time to make these things. So I can understand why Bungie may not be able to keep its fans happy and engaged in the game. But I can tell you one way of not doing that is to make to artificially lengthen the amount of time it takes to do things and to try to squeeze extra money out of people by having random loot crates. Now, normally, if you could just earn the stuff in the game, it would be annoying, but not as annoying. But knowing that you can buy these separately is is basically them admitting that they're doing it for that reason. There's there's no other reason why they would slow this down. It, it hurts nobody by being able to get more cosmetic items faster except the company that's trying to profit off of people not <laughs> about people buying their loot crates so all that sort of stuff is really frustrating and really annoying and especially when activision was you know like i said earlier was so you know bragging about starcraft 2 being free when you know, and a friend of mine posted on facebook he's like oh sick burn and i'm like yeah coming from the company that it is just as bad as EA. It's just they're not in the center of this current crap storm that's going around. But then again, all of a sudden, you tug on that thread, things start to come out. And now this new thing coming out is that Activision Bungie's been doing the exact same thing. And I, I don't know. What do we do? All we can do is 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 fight against it. And the, the sad thing is that a lot of people already had problems with Destiny 2. They feel like content's not rolling out. They're getting not enough communication from the development team that they would like. All these other issues. Uh, you also had an issue where, you know, like there was a guy apparently on stream who was talking about, you know, the big things are coming and then he opens a loot crate and it's like garbage items, you know? And so it was like, it, it's... It's unfortunate because I think overall Destiny is a fine game. I think a lot of people worked really hard to put out a quality product. But when you try to seep in all this extra stuff, like I'm getting to the point where I'm sick of games trying to make us play them forever. That's what this whole games as a service thing is. You don't buy a game, play it for a couple months and then be done with it and maybe go back to it every now and then. Now every game's trying to figure out how to get you to stay forever. Well, most people don't want to play one game forever. I mean, look at Destiny 2. Like, people didn't want to play Destiny 1 forever. I mean, very rarely do you have a game come along. Again, going back to the MMO reference, very rarely do you ever have a game come along where you can do that. Like, World of Warcraft can do that because they built a solid foundation, and then you tweak the game as you go, as you go out and about. But even that game you will lose players and yeah you suck certain people in and, and they're really good at that game and they want to stay because of their progression but i really wish game companies would stop designing games from the beginning that are meant to try and keep players forever you know what gets people to keep playing your game just making a good game it's that simple um so that's the that was the main story i want to talk about bungie's uh, big screw up over the weekend uh, and their poor communication. Now, this story is a lot less drastic, but it's it's got a personal place for me, so I wanted to talk a little bit about it. So it's official in 2018, in February. February 28th, 2018, will be the final server shutdown of Demon Souls. <laughs> so Demon Souls was a PS3 game uh, that basically... Uh, it... it it was the spiritual, you could say it's a spiritual prequel to Dark Souls, but it's made by the same company. So it's just not in the same universe as that game, but it's that same. So the team that made Kingsfield um, and the team that did 
uh, obviously Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, Bloodborne, Demon Souls, Kingsfield, all that stuff. It's the same company. So Demon Souls came out, I want to get the exact, uh, February of 2009. So that will mean that nine years after the game came out, the servers are finally shut down. I mean, in our day and age, that's actually really impressive, albeit sad that for whatever reason, people just couldn't keep playing it i don't i don't know why you have to sh- shut a server down like this like how how many servers are you really having to host players on demon souls and if people are still playing it why not keep them up like how difficult is that you know i mean it's it's not it's not free you know i'm not i'm not ignorant to that fact but i just think it'd be amazing to have these games stay on forever but who knows it probably something to do with contracts and rights uh, this game in the u.s anyway was published by atlas um but sony helped develop it with from software so it's there's a lot of hands in the cookie jar i guess you would say uh but demon souls a lot of people didn't play Demon Souls. A lot of people's first entry into the Dark Souls universe was through Dark Souls 1. Well, I had actually, I've been playing Kingsfield games since the PS1. I played the very first Kingsfield on PS1 when it came out, and I thought it was just like magical. It, it, it was super hard. It didn't tell you where to go. It was up to you to make up your own story. There wasn't really much of a story. You were just somebody, and, and, and you created your own story. And... It was just really, uh, just a really fun PS1 game. It was different from everything else you had played. It wasn't turn-based. It was, like I said, super hard. Like you'd run into a skeleton, just whips your ass, you know. And it, like the first skeleton you run into is just like you can kill slimes. Right in the beginning of the game, if you explore outside the caves, you see like a huge kraken. So there's a huge kraken that you can try to kill, and he'll kill you in one hit. (laughs) And it's just, it's it's just wild. so that's Kingsfield. And so I played Kingsfield 1, 2, played Kingsfield on um, PS2, played uh, Eternal Ring, which was also made by From Software. Like, I've loved most of their games. Some I haven't played, like Shadow Tower and a few others on PS1. Um, but just great. So I didn't even realize that this was them, though, when I heard about Demon Souls. And I remember seeing it and... Uh, in Japan, this game was coming out called Demon Souls, and it looked like a f- three player co-op dungeon crawler at first i thought it was a four-player co-op dungeon crawler that's what it looked like and i thought how cool would that be just be like an open world medieval fantasy game co-op you know so uh i remember i was a manager at gamestop for many years and every year they send the managers to a gamestop manager conference and there they put on like a little show for you like it's almost like a mini e3 like you've got like a show floor and they give you free swag bags and you play demos and stuff And so I remember playing it and just thinking like the guy, basically the guy wanted to walk me through the tutorial stage. (laughs) And he was, he was like, let here, let me, let me walk you through. And I'm like, do you mind if I just try it? You know, like I'd rather get the full experience for myself. And he said, sure. And I remember like when you go there, a lot of these, especially like the big companies like EA will have 10 TVs and 10 demos running. And it's huge. Like it looks like a mini E3. I remember the Atlas booth had one TV with one system and it was playing Demon's Souls. And I was just like, this game, like this booth is super tiny. There's one guy here. Like it's no flash, no flare. And I played it and it was super hard, but the controls were really tight and it had that kind of open feel. And I fell in love with it. I was like, I'm, I'm with you. I see what you guys are trying to do. Like I totally get, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I want this game. And, so 
I played it there and then I convinced all my friends to get it. There's like the four of us, me, Jared, Austin, and Josh, like the four of us were going to all play it. I was like, we got to get everybody on this. And well, when the game comes out, it is a very fun game, but it's very different from what I thought it would be. And so the way the multiplayer works and everything, like you have to summon someone into your game. Like, so you have this item you use and it, it writes your name on the ground. And then in, if you're in that spot in another game and you're hooked up online, you should see that symbol. So you click on the symbol, you pull the person into your game. Well, you can't just go onto your friends list and invite somebody. It's very, it's very weird how they did it. Uh, but it is what it is. And, and, and you can only have, I think two extra people in the game. So I think you can only up to three people. Maybe it was four. I feel like it was three. Um, like you could pull two other people into your game, I think is what it was. And, uh, so it was different from what we were expecting. And then you can only play with that person in that area. And when you beat the boss, you're out. And, and then it makes you have to like resummon them again. And you run into issues. Like you put your symbol down somewhere and someone else pulls you into their game. Cause they didn't know that you wanted to play with a friend. You know, they just thought you put your symbol down. So then you got really creative and you'd find like a corner that was like behind a cart and you would sneak behind the cart and then put your symbol down there and tell your friend where to be. And he'd pull you in. Uh, but demon souls, even the very opening area was just excellent. Um, the game was really fun. The, the, the story's like a mystery. It's very unique. And it, it just captured me. Um, I ended up not playing much with my friends because it was hard to play together, but my roommate, who's one of my best friends, Mike, uh, me and him both got it and me and him played through the whole game together. And so we, you know, we summoned each other into each other's worlds and then we would do a thing. And we've, we've done this through a lot of the souls games as well, but that one was really fun. And demon souls had some crazy stuff in it. Like, yeah, like it was the first game to introduce like a, a bridge where there's like a dragon torching it with fire and you have to figure out the right time to, to run and to hide and stuff like that. But the end boss of demon souls can straight up steal levels from you <laughs> like he'll stab you with his like one attack and if he gets you he steals a level he doesn't steal your life he doesn't take your items or your money or your experience he literally takes levels from you and it's just insane like that that's even a thing but it was very fun and the thing about demon souls was there was no there was no strategy guide for it. They didn't do a strategy guide except in the collector's edition. They had a little pocket strategy guide, but there was no strategy guide for the most part. And you didn't understand things like in the game, there were like essentially hidden mechanics, like white or uh, light tendency and dark tendency. So if you helped a lot of people in that area, you could, you would have white tendency, which means you had like an easier time and things would be, the level would actually be different when you had dark tendency. Sometimes uh, different enemies would spawn like a harder enemy, which sometimes you wanted because you wanted to kill them for their gear. Uh, but also sometimes you would run into, uh, you would run into like, like a door would be closed that was open in light tendency that would lead you to another item. It's just crazy stuff like that. And then they would do uh, events. So then they would have an online event like Halloween 
everything is dark tendency. So you'd be like, oh, well, let's let me go around all the places that I want to have dark tendency for. And if you what, what it would do is your tendency would shift depending on actions you did. So if you went into a lot of people's games and killed them in a certain area, that area for you would turn dark tendency. Really interesting stuff that they never talked about and they never told you about. There's no tutorial about it. Like you're totally on your own to figure it out. Uh, but that stuff is all awesome you know and uh that that's the sort of thing i think that makes me god i don't want to say it like that that's magical to me like that that left a lasting impression on me and so getting back to the story at hand it's very sad to see that the servers are finally shutting down but it's nine years nine years of reoccurring death and frustration and triumphs and dedications as the dark souls twitter said and it's it's 100 percent, you know and i might even try to go online with this game a few more times i will admit being the first souls game being an earlier ps3 game it suffers from really bad textures and like it's muddy it's hard to play it's very hard to play now i'd love to have a remaster especially a, like a pc version of demon souls please that would be incredible now, the good thing about that is that there's rumors flying around now that Demon Souls might be coming as like a remaster to the PS4. Now, that'd be a little weird, but I'd be all right with that. Now, it might also just be coming to like uh, as a downloadable in its original form, but like a remaster with touched up like a, like higher res textures and all oh my, it would just be incredible. Now, the reason people think that is because the official Bloodborne Twitter um, they put a picture up and it was the Bloodborne official put up a picture of all the Bloodborne titles. So it said Bloodborne, then Bloodborne Old Hunters Edition, Bloodborne. And at the very top, it said Demon Souls for the PS3. So someone, the official Bloodborne PS4 Twitter sent out a picture of all the Bloodborne titles, including Demon Souls. So, of course, everyone's in a feeding frenzy about how incredible a PS4 upgrade to Demon Souls would be. And I'm the first one to say, yes, please, please. I would love to play that game in high res. Again, even if it was, even if it was on PC, I would still play it uh, and just optimize the hell out of it. And maybe if it comes out on PS4, they'll do it for PC both. Um, oh my God. I mean, a, a Demon Souls re-release would be just incredible because what's funny is they've been talking about shutting these servers off for years. The Apparently they talked about shutting the servers down. Um, originally they were going to shut them down. Let's see here. Where was my, they were originally going to shut the servers down May 31st of 2012 is the first time they said they were going to shut the servers down. Then like a month later, because of, I don't want to say there was like a public outcry, but so many people said, Hey, like we love demon souls. We're still playing it. Don't shut the servers off. They basically came out and said it will stay open for the foreseeable future, which is just awesome. Um, which I actually want to read this real quick. Cause I think I read this right. Um, it said, oh yeah, Atlas informed us today that the said servers are going to be extended for the foreseeable future. So it was Atlas hosting these servers. So that makes a lot of sense why the servers would finally come down if Atlas is the one paying for it, but they're not seeing any residuals on the game. You know, like they're just basically paying money to have a Demon Soul server and they probably look at it like, oh, it costs us X amount of thousand dollars per month 
it gets us zero money dollars per month. Let's just shut it down because that's that's how business works. You know, that's how it goes. Uh, but what what an excellent game! It it essentially started what Dark Souls finished. It 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 proved that you could release a game like that. There's actually a funny quote. Um, I'm trying to think who said it. Uh, it was one of the. Um, PS3, I think it was Yoshida or something. Like he played the game and thought nobody would want this. Um, I'm just gonna check that out real quick. So he he's he when he apparently first played, he said this game won't do well. Don't bring it to the states. And something obviously it still did, or something came out, and he was like, "Wow, I was way wrong on that." And it was just interesting to see that uh, you know even somebody in that position could be wrong, but also that we as fans still dictate what we get by showing what we want and so that game came out it set a precedent still sold i, I want to say it sold initially like four hundred thousand units which was considered a huge win for atlas they were like holy crap it blew away our expectations and I'm like well, what the hell were your expectations if four hundred thousand blew you away but it did, it did well, and then that paved the way for FromSoft to say, okay, this game in the U.S. will do well, now let's find a publishing partner, which they found in Namkai Ban- uh, Bandai Namco, and then they released Dark Souls, which I remember when I first heard about it, it was called Project Dark, and the first picture that it had leaked showed like the door with the fog, and I was like, please let this be Demon Souls 2, which it wasn't, but it was Dark Souls, and then that led to the last, you know, I guess the last six years of just awesome souls games, but, uh, yeah. So unfortunately the servers are coming down, but there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe get a PS4 remaster. It's not unheard of. They're remastering shadow of, uh, shadow of the Colossus. And they brought, you know, they're porting out Okami. I mean, it's to see old games re-released on PS4 is not nearly out of the question. Like people have been re-releasing stuff like all year and last year it's been like mental. So, um, but yeah, so I thought, you know, I thought I'd share a little bit of my Demon Souls experience because um it was one of those it was one of those like just moments in gaming I remember. And so many of us have so many of us have great memories of retro games like um you know, Mario and great memories of Double Dragon and Ninja Gaiden and great memories of Final Fantasy 7. But I made a memory like that, and I have memories of that on a game that's only nine years old and Demon Souls. But it, it it gave me those memories, which I thought was great. Um, let's see, and I'm trying to find something. Someone just did this really cool article about uh, gaming myths and and uh, like rumors that we believe or something. And I, uh, I guess I can't. Oh yeah, okay, here we go. Here was the article I wanted to read. It was on Destructoid. So it was seven myths that gamers believe in. So this is just a little bit extra at the end for you guys, uh, since the podcast was a little short. Um <laughs> so this is seven myths that gamers believe in. That game companies care about me. <laughs> Wrong. They do not care about you. Smaller independent developers might care. That is completely possible, but publicly traded corporations do not. Not even a little bit. A publicly traded company cares about one thing and one thing only, maximizing shareholder value. The second myth, I want to go to E3. (laughs) As a kid, you eagerly awaited the annual issue of EGM, in which they'd preview every game you saw at E3. They'd talk about the event, they'd throw in pictures of booth babes, 
<laughs> in reality, you don't want to go to E3. Firstly, you won't get into the press conferences, which is where all the cool stuff happens. All you'll be able to do is go on the show floor and wait eight hours in line to play a demo of a single game for just a few minutes. Um, so I actually have a little bit of a story with this one. Uh, I went to E3 in 2006, and that was that was the year before PS3 and the Wii launched. And I went out there, and it was awesome. Now, again, that was was 11 years ago now but it was incredible like yeah you walked around a show floor you played demos you talked to people the only downside is i went as a representative of gamestop so it said i was a vendor but when people saw i was from gamestop a lot of the developers and stuff didn't want to talk to me they felt like i was just there as a fan not in any capacity to help them which wasn't inaccurate it just you know it's it's what it was but it was I mean, I, I did want to listen to them and I would have shared their stories and I would have talked about their stuff, but, uh, they didn't really want to talk to us. And yeah, you didn't get into closed door meetings. You didn't get into anything like that. Uh, I did get like a, a, a really early private showing of the game Spore. That was really cool. I mean, there was a lot of really neat stuff to see there. So I don't necessarily disagree with that, but now that E3 is open to the public, it's a lot more people there and I'm sure it's a lot harder now to enjoy that sort of thing than it was back then and back then i also felt like i was part of kind of an elite club which was sort of fun uh, i believe jordan and i are making plans to go to e3 next year so e3 2018 i believe jordan and i will be going at least jordan and i if not jeremy and trent as well i mean all four of us could go there's nothing wrong with that but uh yeah uh, that could be pretty interesting uh that'll be i think that'll be exciting um but uh so yeah um I don't know. <laughs> Another one of these myths that gamers believe. Uh, the Zelda timeline makes sense. Uh, it certainly does not. And I really <laughs> wish that they would stop trying to make it sense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so th this was just kind of a fun little thing. I actually thought it was going to be more about video game myths, not myths about the industry. Uh, because I didn't read it before I shared it on here. I just thought it, the title looked cool. So I apologize for wasting you guys' time because I was actually kind of lame. Um, but let me see if I want to, uh, I, I think I want to do a retro game recommendation. Oh, let's see here. Um, let's do, I'm looking through my collection here. I don't think I've talked about this one, but I want to talk about the Shadowrun game for the Genesis. Uh, Shadowrun on the Sega Genesis, I guess you'd call it an action RPG set in a cyberpunk uh, future, but it's a cyberpunk fantasy. If you don't know the Shadowrun universe, it's set in like a cyberpunk future, except that magic has returned to the world. So certain people transformed into like trolls or orcs. There are humans, there's magic, but then there's also technology. So there's guns, there's the Matrix, which is their internet basically, and you can hack the internet hack the matrix and it's very it, it's really cool game the genesis version is like a top-down shooter with rpg elements and you have a whole ton of different stats that you put experience points into which you get are called karma and you put experience points into them things act i mean there's action stuff like my weapon skills better my aiming's better but also things like my negotiation skill is better or my reputation is better you put skills in your reputation so you can get into higher class places to get better jobs and stuff like that and then there's a really good story that goes on there's unlimited jobs you could play that game forever it just keeps randomly spitting out jobs for you to do and so you can just keep 
doing jobs and keep making money, keep leveling up until you're sick and tired of it. And then there's a pretty decent storyline to go along with it. But it was fun when I was a kid, uh, me and all my friends, I don't even remember whose game it was, whose copy it was, but somebody owned it. It wasn't mine. And we shared it. We always passed it around and somebody was always playing it. And I somehow ended up with the copy. Uh, so I, I still have that today. Uh, which is a cherished memory, but just an incredible game. I used to play as a kid. I can play it today. It's just as good as I remember it being back then. And uh, it's really, really fun. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, if you could mash that subscribe button, that'd make me very, very happy. Uh, definitely check us out on Twitch where the drop rate, uh, we're starting to do more streaming stuff. Now we're streaming our podcast, uh, the have at you podcast every week. And I'm going to try to do a retro show every week where I play uh, something retro for a couple hours. Maybe some of these recommendations I've been doling out to you guys. And, um, and yeah, you know, uh, any subscribing, like sharing anything like that, we just always appreciate it. And I always appreciate you guys listening, especially if you're on SoundCloud or if you're just listening to us on iTunes. Uh, if you've listened to us on iTunes, I'd love to hear from you if that's the only way you listen to us here. Uh, feel free to email us at um, gametalkradiowi at gmail.com. So Game Talk Radio Wisconsin, gametalkradiowi at gmail.com. I would just love to hear from anybody, and obviously we're always taking questions. I'd love to start getting uh, more interactive. In fact, I might start live streaming uh, this podcast as well just because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't uh, – that are, that are into the, the Twitch scene and all that. So, um, but again, I always appreciate you guys listening. Hope everybody has a great day. Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you didn't eat too much. And Christmas is right around the corner. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks as always for listening. Bye bye.